Welcome to Thrive Lathrop Podcast. Here at our church, we believe that everyone can thrive. Make sure to subscribe to our channel and enjoy this life-changing message. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Can you give them praise in the house today? Come on, come on, come on. God bless you in person. God bless you online. Uh, Can the in-house, in-person, in-house, in-house, in-person, I'm making stuff up here. Can those in the house welcome those online? Give them a hand welcoming them. Yes. Amen. Praise the Lord. And whether you're in the house or in your own house at home, uh, how many know God is good? Ready? God is good. And all the time. Amen. I am just excited to see you. Wonderful. So good. Are there any ladies in the house? You guys are so funny. Are there any ladies? Yeah. All right. All right. Ladies online, I just want to plug uh, our Women's Breathe Conference. You heard about it. But every, every, all the ladies go like this. How many know you need to breathe a little? You need to breathe a little, ladies. I know you got so much on your plate. And so just in a few short weeks, for $35, it includes lunch, a great a group of speakers, a great time with ladies. You're going to have a blessed, blessed time. You can register today. I'm excited. And it isn't just because my wife's in charge and she told me to be excited. But it's really a really, it's a really good event. And so we hope that all of you ladies, all of you ladies online will uh, register for that soon. Save your spot. Do that online so that you can be uh, in the room and enjoy that. Um, also, I, I, I'm just excited. Can you give it up for Convoy of Hope and all that they do? Yes, we're a part of that. Now, I, I got to tell you, Thrive, your giving is changing the world. It's changing the world. They do things we cannot do. What's so cool about Convoy of Hope is that two things. One is we know those people. Like, we, the I, Lori, and I, and some of our pastors actually know those people leading this global ministry. We know them personally, so we know their hearts. And number two, I want to let you know that as far as charities go, in terms of rating, they're a, if the top, I forget if it's four or five star, but they've got the most stars they can have as a charity, where something like 94 cents of every dollar goes to the need. Come on, give Jesus praise for Convoy. So exciting. And we're, we're a part of that. Like, we partner with them by supporting their ministry financially. They go places we cannot go. Um, every, every dollar that we give, every dollar that we might spend because of their connections that God has given them, every dollar turns into $4 with them. $4 worth of buying power. They've got connections with, um, polit- uh, with uh, political entities all around the world that gives them access to the poorest parts of, of the globe. And uh, Thrive is there in spirit because of our friends that serve. So again, thank you so much for your giving. Uh, turning your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 11. Deuteronomy chapter 11. I am very excited to bring the message. Are you ready? Are you ready? All right, because I'm ready. I'm ready to preach the paint off the walls. 
I just, that, that's an old saying. And I've never p- preached a painting off the walls, but uh, let's see if I can do it today. Let's find, see if we can do it. I'm very excited about the message. And you know what? I got to tell you that it's sort of a combination message. Are you ready? I'm preach. I'm a preach. But I'm also going to do a little bit of teaching like I would a school of ministry. We're not just going to talk about the power of the word of God, but we're also going to talk about how the word of God is built. And I believe it's going to be a blessing, but I also think it's going to be equipping. Because here at Thrive, we want you to know that my opinion doesn't matter just like yours doesn't. What matters is what the word of God says. This is our standard. This is our lifeline. This is the the light. The psalmist says, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. This is the truth of all truths. And we want you to be excited about reading your word and about knowing your word. So I've entitled the message today, the most amazing, powerful, miraculous word of God. And you'll see why in just a moment. Would you stand for the reading of the word? And we're reading out of Deuteronomy chapter 11. Deuteronomy chapter 11. And we're going to read from verse, we're going to read from verse 18 through 21. And this is what the word of the Lord says. God speaking to his people Fix these words of mine in your hearts and minds. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Teach them to your children, walking about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, on your commute, on the treadmill, when you lie down and when you get up. Verse 20. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates so that, someone say so, so that your days and the days of your children may be many in the land the Lord swore to give your ancestors, as many as the days that the heavens are above the earth. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. July 24th, 1969, the Apollo 11 space mission succeeded in putting man on the moon for the very first time. And the technology that was used to get that rocket up and and to be able to guide that landing module on the moon required the best technology that was available at the time. They had the best computers to accomplish this amazing feat of mankind. One of the greatest accomplishments in the history of civilization to see the moon and get there physically walking on the surface of the moon. The technology again was the best at the time. The computers that it took to help accomplish this incredible feat cost an average of three and a half million dollars each. And they were the size of cars. 
This was the technology. Again, the best technology that man had. And it was impressive for the day. But to put things in context, we're here 52 years later, and the technology that you find in a USB drive or a Wi-Fi router in your house is more powerful than those mainframes that were as large as a car. In fact, if you have an iPhone, the clock speed, the CPU clock speed on your iPhone is 32,600 times faster than the best Apollo-era computers. In fact, you could, by the numbers, you could perform the instructions necessary on your phone to launch successfully 120 million missions at the same time. So the computers in 1969, they were the best they had, but what you have in your pocket is so much more than what they had then. How many are impressed? Did you, did you know that? I didn't know that. I didn't know the power of this phone compared to what it took to get man on the moon. Our phones are incredible. They got apps for everything. Someone say apps. Apps. They got an app to make you skinny. I ain't never downloading that one. They got apps to monitor your sleep. They got apps to balance your checkbook. They got apps to count your steps. This is a powerhouse. Almost anything you need is in here. All kinds of things. They got financial planning apps. They got apps to, uh, to manage your time. Can I get a witness? They got apps to, uh, to uh, they got apps to do all kinds of things. They got apps to encourage you. If you need encouragement, you can get an app that just wakes you up in the morning with something cheerful. Whatever you are looking for, you can get in here. It's amazing. And, and we don't even recognize the power of this computer. We, we, we play Tetris. We play games on it, you know, and it has the capacity, it has the capacity to do so much in this little handheld device. Now, I submit to you today that the same thing can be said about the Word of God. Everything you need, it's in there. You're walk, we're walking around with this, and we don't recognize the power that is in the Word of God. You need a new way of thinking. It's in there. You need peace for your soul. It's in there. You need to know how to navigate dangerous times. It's in there. You want to know how to be a better man or a better woman? It's in there. The better you is here in the word of God. It has everything that you need. And if you believe it, give him praise this morning. And I tell you, this is more powerful than this. This can't change your heart, but this can. This can't change the legacy that was left to you from generation to generation, but this can. 
Everything we need is in here, the word of God. So what I want to talk to you today is about the most amazing, powerful word of God. And I want to, in just a little bit, I'm going to talk to you about its critics. And I want you to be prepared. We live in, a, in an ever-increasing secular society. And I, I submit to you that often, uh, it, it, uh, oftentimes we think that social conservatives, uh, those that hold to a more biblical uh, perspective of family, society, um, um, marriage, we're called social conservatives and, 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 and social conservatives seem to be the target. But I tell you what, there's ever increasing evidence that the target of our adversaries are not social conservatives, but Christians. And we will see that more and more, more explicitly. They'll begin to look at biblical principles as the real causes for social dilemma. And I want you to be prepared. We want to be a church that knows the word and loves the word and lives the word of God and is willing to defend the word of God from critics who may be ignorant or have an agenda that comes from hell itself. We want to be prepared because this will always be the truth. Always be the truth. Number one, the scriptures are from God and truth. The truth is not up for debate. There isn't, there's no such thing, even though it's popular in the university, young adults, be, be ready. Young people, young adults, be ready. In the university, the, 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 the doctrine, the religion of the university is now personal truth, and it has been for a while. What's your personal truth? Something is either true or it is false. Moral relativism is a new religion, is a newer religion. It's the religion of the day. People cling to it. That you can't judge someone's personal truth. But truth, by definition, means that everything else apart from it is false. I, it's not my opinion I'm married. I am married. It's true. It's not up for debate. I don't identify as married. I am married. It's true. It's fact. And I cannot identify as single and break my vows because I'm not single. I am married. Be following me. So there is truth and there is falsehood. God's word is true. It is breathed by God. Second Timothy chapter three, and I'm, I'm gonna give our text fits because I'm gonna go kind of quickly, but listen and try to follow along. Second Timothy three, 12 through 17, Paul writes to Timothy, in his day, first century Christianity, he writes, in fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Watch this. While evildoers and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue. Someone say continue. Continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of. Because you know those from whom you learned it. And how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Verse 16, 
All scripture is what? God breathes and is useful for teaching us, rebuking us, correcting us, and training us in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. God's word is, the word of God is God breathed. It is from God. His breath of life abides in his truth. This is how you get your marriage alive. This is how you get your peace alive. This is how you get your courage alive. This is how you enliven your identity, your sense of dignity. This and only this can make one truly alive. Everything else is a false life that will blow out like a candle. This is transformative, genuine, eternal life. It's found in here because it is God breathed. Just like he breathed into Adam and brought him to life, he has breathed into his word to bring us to life. And it is truth. It is truth. How many love football? We got some football fans. How many love tailgating? How many love barbecue wings when you're watching? My wife, Lori, loves football because she goes to sleep. It puts her right out during a football game. But what's interesting about a football, and maybe you're, maybe you're a Raider fan or a Niner fan or, uh, or, you know, the Cowboys, the Cowboys. Thank you. What's interesting about the game of football is there is no football game without a football. It doesn't matter how, think about this. Some of the football players are like 6'8", 350 pounds. They have the best equipment. They have the best training. There's millions and millions of dollars that they're paid. There's other millions of dollars poured into training them. If you're a running back, they have specialists that train the right muscles for what they do on the field. And if you're a wide receiver, they train other muscles and the agility uh, skills for defensive backs. And linemen have to eat certain amount of calories and, and, and do certain kinds of weight training. They got these coordinators that scheme and plan. They watch film and they use analytics all to try to beat the other team one Sunday at a time. But without the football, you got nothing. Depends where the football is, that depends whether you win. It depends if that football crosses the yard line for a first down. There could be the perfect snap and the perfect throw by the quarterback, and the wide receiver makes this fingertip catch. And when he falls down, the referee comes and gets the ball and marks it. Have you ever seen him do that? The referee goes and he sits on it because he don't want nobody moving the ball. And then what do they do to see if they got a first down? They bring out the what? They bring out the chains. The chain gang comes out and they bring the stick and the camera, this million dollar camera with millions and millions of people watching, zooms in on the football, just the football. Doesn't matter how much that guy's paid. Doesn't matter how much that guy's paid. Doesn't matter how fine that field is. It all comes down to the football. And they come out and they measure, they bring that pole down. And if that, the nose of the ball, if the nose of the football 
is just past the chain. It's first down, Cowboys. It's first down. Sorry. I got emotional. Pardon me. It's a first down, right? It all comes down to the football. That's what determines the success of this $100 million investment. Millions of passionate fans wait expectant. It all comes down to the football. Can I just tell you that this is the football? There is no success without measuring yourself against the word of God. It doesn't matter what you make. It doesn't matter how hard you try. It doesn't matter who's watching, who's cheering for you, who says you're good or who says you're not good. It all comes down to the word of God. How is your life measured by the word of God? Go ahead, praise them. Some of you want to. I want you to wake up in in here in person, online. Don't look at your bank account to measure your success. Like that, it can go. Don't look at your company, the favor with your boss. Like that, it can go. One accident away from not being able to do physically what you've done for a lifetime. You do not measure the success of your life the way man does. We must go to the word of God, look at it like a mirror, and ask ourselves, how am I doing? Not everyone will value it. Not everyone will get it. Even your spouse may not get it from time to time. What matters is what does the Lord say about you? You okay? I'm really happy to be here. I'm not mad. I want you to get it, though. I want you to get it. This is the most amazing, powerful, miraculous word of God. Number two, we must study and trust God's word for it to work in us. We have to study it and trust it. Someone say, study and trust. You gotta study it. You can't wait for me to like chew on the word and regurgitate it for you like little baby tick. You can't do that. You can't come in. You can't do that. I'm happy to teach you, but you have got to read your Bible. Nowadays, it's in here for free in any language you want. It'll, there's free Bible studies in there. Don't wait for me. Don't wait for a small group leader. Get into your word. You got to study the Bible. You got to study it and trust it. Study it and trust it. We won't read it, but again, Deuteronomy chapter 11 talks about the, the, uh, uh, the primacy of God's word. He says to fix it. Fix the words in your hearts and minds. Tie them as symbols. He says, paint them on your doorposts and your gates. That's all about identity. Don't identify just with a football team. Don't identify just with an ethnicity. Don't identify just with a company. Identify with the word of God. We're a people of the book. My family will be a people of the book. I will be a woman of the book. I will be a man of the book. It's about identity that whoever walks by your house, they would know in whom that family believes. Go ahead, praise them. But friend, come on now, come on now. 
You can't get this through osmosis. Remember when you were in junior high, you sleep on the science book? That didn't help you. That didn't help you with the test. Not at all. Someone gave me a bag of coffee today. I like, I smelled it, and then I started to rub it on myself because it smelled so delicious, right? You can't, you can't just like rub this on yourself and get it. You got to open it. You got to look at it. You got to read it. You got to ask yourself questions. What does that mean? Who's he talking to? What's that about? What's going on? You want to study the word. Let me tell you why. There's a, an, a, an inc- a true incident of a pilot of a small plane, just him by himself in his little plane. He sees a, what appears to be a small cloud, decides to have some fun and go into the cloud with this plane. <clears throat> Turns out it was a big cloud acting like a small cloud. Ended up being this big cloud bank. And he goes up, can't get out. Comes down, can't get out. Goes left, goes right, can't get out of the cloud bank. Starts to get disoriented. And he begins to experience what many pilots have experienced, where all of a sudden he feels upside down. He's not sure. His equilibrium is off. He has no point of reference he can't see. And so he's getting dizzy, and he's, but he looks at his instrument panel, and his instrument panel tells him, you're straight up, you're, you're, you're right side up, you're right side up, you're right side up. But he's feeling anxious and stressed because he feels, it's as if the blood is rushing to his head. He's disoriented. But he decides he's going to trust this instrument panel. And finally, he comes out of the cloud bank, and he realizes he's a mere 50 feet from the ground. And he pulls up. If he would have trusted himself, he would have turned that plane upside down and ended up in the ground. But because he trusted the instrument panel, because he understood the instrument panel and he trusted it, he lived. This is your instrument panel. There are times when you're going to be disoriented. There's going to be times when you feel upside down, like you're lost. You're not going the right direction. There's going to be anxiety. There may be fear, but we have to trust the instrument panel. This is how you keep yourself alive. This is how you make it through the confusing times when you cannot see what's ahead. You have to trust the one that sees everything for you. He's given you a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. We have to trust it. You got to study it. You got to trust it or else it doesn't do you any good. You can't judge me. I'm going to judge you right now. I'm going to judge. If you don't know what's in it and you don't do what's in it, how in the world can it help you? Faith without works is dead. It does nothing. It is of no benefit. We're to be not just hearers of the word, but doers of it. Are you following me, family? We got to study it. And we have to trust it. Number three is the scriptures are a brilliant miracle. Now I want your thinking caps on because this is when it kind of gets a little bit like School of ministry time. Are you ready? Because I want you to love reading your Bible. I want you to love reading your Bible. 
The word of God is like a brilliant miracle. First, why is it like a miracle? The word of God is compendium. This Bible from cover to cover, 66 books written by 40 different authors over the span of 1,500 years, written on three continents in three different languages. And yet, it is perfectly harmonious. It is unified in its truth. It is non-contradictory. From the very beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, to when the last scrolls were read in Revelation, it's all about the coming Messiah and the love of God for humanity. There are not two saviors. There are not competing powers. There is not more than one God. There is no conflicts in this miraculous word of God. You couldn't orchestrate this if you took 40 people, put them in the same room, and gave them time to write. Much less 40 from the well-educated like Moses to shepherds writing, sharing this, this perfectly harmonious mosaic tapestry of the revelation of God. It doesn't get more miraculous than that. Critics look from afar and throw rocks that they fall helpless to the ground because the word of God is God-breathed, not man-made. It's a miracle. Now, why is it brilliant? Someone say brilliant. It's brilliant like a diamond. The word of God is like a diamond with many different facets, angles, that show color and show the reflection of light. Why do I say that? Because the Bible is not written. Are you with me? Okay, this is really important. See, we're, we've been studying the book of Joshua and there are critics of the Bible, specifically about the book of Joshua. We're gonna get into why. They accuse God of genocide and ethnic cleansing and it's garbage. We're gonna tell you why. But when you go to the Bible, I want you to understand the Bible was not written in one style. 40 different authors expressed in various types of literature. For example, when you read Genesis and Exodus, you're reading historical narrative. It's history. It's telling the story. When you read Psalms, you're not reading history. You're reading poetry. How many love songs? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet water. See the, the analogy, the allegory of being a sheep led by a shepherd. It's poetry, it's song. And you got wisdom literature, you got Ecclesiastes, and you got Proverbs. It's written different from Psalms, and Psalms is written different from Genesis. And that's, you got the law in Leviticus. It's a law book. It's written different. Are you following me? Then you've got the prophecies, the prophetic books, written differently than any of the other books. Then you go to the New Testament, and you've got the Gospels, which are like historical narratives, but they're eyewitness accounts. And then most of the New Testament is written in the form of letters. We're reading letters between Paul and Peter and John and other Christians. You don't read a letter, a personal letter, the way you read a history book. And you don't read a history book the same way you read a, a, a poem. Are you following me? 
I want you excited when you go to the Word of God and you open it up to Psalms and you realize you're, 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 you're experiencing a kind of poetic liturgy, a kind of songwriting that reveals the character and person of God through poetry. And then when you go to Genesis and Exodus, you're seeing the person and character of God revealed through history and through letter writing and through prophecy. When we go to get to Joshua, some of the critics they accuse God of, again, these things like genocide or ethnic cleansing because the, 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 the verbiage, the, the, the language used is very, very dramatic. An example in Joshua, in Joshua chapter 10, I want to show you something. Verse 20 through 21. It says, When Joshua and the men of Israel had finished slaying them with a very great slaughter until they were wiped out. Now, in the original Hebrew, it's translated utterly destroyed. Some translations will do, translate it that way, or they'll even use the term annihilated. Okay? When they were wiped out, and when, the next part, and when the remnant which remained of them had entered into the fortified cities, all the people returned safe to Joshua in the camp of Makeda. Now, how can you totally annihilate? Go back a couple slides, please. I, I'm, now I'm messing with you. Go back a couple slides. Right there. How can you totally wipe them out? Now move forward. And there still be a remnant. How can you annihilate them all? And there's still some left. What is going on here, this Joshua, just like we talk about poetry and, and epistle, letter writing and the gospels, this is historical narrative written in the voice of a war text. This is how ancient Near East peoples spoke about their warfare. Similar to, to when I say, and the cowboys annihilated the raiders. And then they killed the Niners. Oh, I don't have a friend left. When we say they killed them, we don't mean they actually killed them all. It's, hyper, it's hyperbole. It's exaggerated language to make a point. When John says, and if we wrote down everything that Jesus did, there would not be uh, enough room in the world to contain its books. That's hyperbole. That's, that's exaggeration to make a point that Jesus had did many, many, many more things than we can share. So when we, when we read here in Joshua, I'll give you one more example just because I love you. Joshua chapter 11, verse 21, and it says, at that time, Joshua attacked and eliminated the Anakites from the hill country, from Hebron, Debir, Anab, and all the hill country of Judah and Israel Joshua annihilated them and their cities. But then we see just three chapters later in Joshua chapter 14, Caleb talks and he says this, today I am still as strong as when Moses sent me. I can fight and go about my daily activities with the same energy I had then. Verse 12, now assign me this hill country that the Lord promised me at that time. No doubt you heard then that the Anakites live there in large fortified cities. So I'm gonna stop there. So in chapter 11, it says they annihilated them all and destroyed all their cities. And then a few chapters later, Caleb says, let me take those Anakites in those cities. It's war language. 
Now, why am I going here? It's because the fourth reason we can get that point up is that the scriptures must be defended. We need to know the word and be able to defend the word. There are ignorant people that will look at that and call God this terrible monster instead of actually doing some homework and understanding what the Bible is actually showing us there. In principle, every enemy, just like Joshua, was to defeat every enemy. Yeshua, Christ, wants to defeat every enemy in us. That's the principle. We want to be prepared. I'm going to go quickly because I'm running out of time. But I want to show you this real quick. In 1 Peter chapter 3, Peter writes, But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be what? Prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Watch this though. So he's saying, be prepared to be able to answer questions, to have a conversation in the break room, to talk to your nephew about why he doesn't believe the Bible, but you do. But, someone say but. Do this with gentleness and respect. Keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. For it is better if it is God's will to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. So what, here, I'm gonna, I'm gonna end it right here. What we need to be as Christians is we need to know, trust. God's word is the truth. We need to study it and trust it. We get to read the Bible now with eyes that are open. What am I reading? Who is talking? What's going on? The beauty of this diamond reflected uniquely depending on the, the, the portion of scripture, like the facet of a diamond. And we gotta be ready to have these conversations with people who get all kinds of misinformation about the word or about who God is, about who Jesus is. They Google stuff and read stuff online from people who have an evil agenda or are just completely mistaken. We need to be ha have an answer, but we can't have an answer like a jerk. Can't be a jerk about it. That's what, that's what Peter's saying. It, it, he's saying, don't be a jerk. He's saying, have an answer, but be gentle. Be gentle so that, so that you don't give people a reason to point out evil in your own heart. See, people who are Christians but act like a jerk about the truth do the kingdom no good. No good. We have to be a people that is good for the cause. That means that we can be bold and we can be honest and we can be unafraid, but at the same time, we're gentle and we're loving and we're patient. That is the role of the church of Jesus Christ. One that loves the word and knows the word and trusts the word and is able to share the word in such a way that if they accuse you of something, they're gonna look foolish, not you. That is how we build the kingdom of God. You build you. And then in turn, you get to build the kingdom that is around you. Will we be a people that is in love with this miraculous, amazing, powerful word of God? Will we be a people who 
Like Jesus said, if you hear the truth and build your house on it, you will build on a rock. And come what may, you will stand. Amen. Amen. Will you stand to your feet? I want to pray with you. Heavenly Father, we come before you. We are so grateful for the word of God. Your truth from Genesis to Revelation. God, I pray, Holy Spirit, I pray that we would hunger for your word. That we would see it as the bread of life, the very sustenance of our lives. That you would move us early in the morning or late at night or at the, break, at the lunch break to get into our words and study, read it, get it into us. That we would not rely on pastors or group leaders to give us the word, but that we would be so motivated, so passionate, so in love with your truth, that we would be like David, who over and over again proclaimed his love for your statutes. He loved your law. He loved your precepts. Lord, he wrote so poetically, as the deer panteth for the water brook, so my soul thirsts after you, O oh God. That we would thirst for truth in a confused world. That when we're disoriented, we would trust it. We would trust it no matter what our feelings are saying, we would trust it. That we would measure our success not by bank accounts or flattery of others or education, social status. No, God, let us not buy the lie. Let us measure ourselves by your word. Are we doing your word? Are we trusting your word? Are we living out your word? Are we submitted to your word? Let that be the measure of every man and woman. Let us be people who know your word, unafraid to defend it, unafraid to search the scriptures and to learn that you would make us useful in the marketplace. You would make us useful with our extended families. You would make us useful in the workplace to skillfully share your word, your truth. Let us shelter in your word. Let your word defend us, protect us. Let your word stand sentinel over our family. Your word never changes. The preacher's voice changes, the times change, the song selection changes, but your word stands forever. Let us be a people of the book in this new land. We commit ourselves to you today and I thank you for my friends. Bless them here, bless them, Lord, those online and let us all fall in love again with your word. And it's in Jesus' name that the Thrive family says, amen. Amen, can you praise them one more time, family? Amen, amen. We love you. 
Uh, if you, either you in person or online, if you have a need, please text us. There's a number there. Prayer, you need, you have a need, you have questions, we're here to serve you. We love you, family. Have a great week and we'll see you next Sunday. Thank you again for tuning into our podcast. For more info, please visit our website at thrivelathrop.com. Have an amazing rest of your week.